0: Listening to Fox Sports
1: Radio. I think, hmm. Let's start with the game everyone's talking about. I mean, we could try to tease this and say, let's wait five minutes or a quarter after. No, no, no. We're going to lead with the lead as we try to every day. The what are the betting odds on that New England Tampa Bay game?
0: Yeah, and it is a uh, reuniting Tom Brady back in New England with the uh, against the Patriots with the Tampa Bay Bucks rather, and that game is set for Week Four of the NFL season. A lot on the line. Tom Brady can actually break a passing yards mark uh, at that point in the season. So it's four weeks into the season, but already this this many months out, we're looking forward to
1: it. Yeah, and, and I think that passing mark is fascinating. So, Mackenzie, my speculation was, and we did a little math on this, my speculation was if Tom Brady could at all accomplish this, he would love to have that record, and this is going to be the Drew Brees yardage record. He would love to beat that before week four. Because let's be honest, you don't want to be distracted by that. You don't want to be worrying about in the Patriots' home stadium beating that record, how much, how, much, um, uh, how many people are going to be cheering, how many people are going to be booing, how many people are going to be silent. Knowing Brady and his love of focus, I think he would love to have that record complete by week three, the end of the game, and be focused totally on week four. Mackenzie, what would the math be on that for that to happen and beat that record before week four?
0: He would need about 390 yards per game Ooh. to pass
1: Breeze for, in three games. Now, that seems unlikely. I don't know how many players in the, so it's like uh, 1,170 yards? 1,154. 100, 1, yeah, a little—okay. So did you see how I did that in my head like that? <laughs> so here's the thing. I wonder how many players have gotten 1,155 or so. He needs 55 to, to beat it. How many have ever gotten that in three games— but you know what? I'm going to be looking right now. I'm not going to call this a best bet, Jonas. I'm going to say I'm penciling it in. The prop bet on Tampa and Brady's pass yards, the opening game against the Cowboys. Let's say they're up big in that. Game. Let's say they're up 17. I got a feeling they keep throwing. They make a statement. Brady put, tries to put up 450. And at that point, it gets kind of reasonable what do you think of that logic?
0: Well, yeah, and also you got the Atlanta Falcons week two, and we know about their defensive struggles last year. They've they've tried to address it, but, you know, by all accounts, they're still going to probably struggle on that side of the ball. You can't count on the Rams week three because that's a really good defense. So, I mean, he's yeah, going to have to really yeah. – But he's, he's gonna, new
1: defensive coordinator. That's true.
0: He's going to have to really pile up points. I actually look at it this way. I, I think that Bruce Arians – would like to stick it to the Patriots in prime time more so than maybe Brady would. Like this seems like a Bruce Arians move to where eh, you know what? we're going to go ahead and throw the ball. We're going to throw the ball the rest of the game here at Foxborough.
1: But see, that's the thing though is if it's going to be the fourth game, it'd be a very normal amount of yards, right? So if it's you know he'd need a little bit more than two fifty, uh, you know. So I guess yeah, three hundred. So really, what we're saying is it had to be about three hundred a game to just even get it in the fourth game, which kind of makes my point, he's going to want to run it up against the Cowboys anyway. I'm looking back to that first game saying, if they're up 17 with 10 minutes left, what is the inclination of Tampa to throw the ball? And I think regardless if they're going to try to some miracle of get it accomplished in three games or to be in a real solid position to do it easily in the fourth, because I think the worst thing – for the Patriots, or Ch- I'm always thinking Brady, and the Patriots. The worst thing for Tampa, and tell me if you agree with this, would be coming in with it about 340 yards right. away in the fourth game. Yeah, because now you're going to be thinking, "Am I going to get it here? Is it going to be a disappointment if I don't?" Boy, I would. I, I swear to God, I would like New England more if it was about 340 yards for Brady to break the record entering that New England game, because I think it would be a distraction. And I think regardless of how it goes in game two and three, I think game one, they're going to be motivated Tampa to put up the yards to make it less of a stressful situation.
0: Do you think if if he was 400 yards away – going into the game against the Patriots, do you think that they would actively try and break the record in New England if he was 400 yards away? Because I believe they would. Oh, that's interesting. I think they would because it would be, you know, you would need him to put up those type of numbers if you were going to win the game regardless. But I think if they saw it within striking distance, um, like if you were 200 yards away, it's not a big deal. You're going to go through the game and you're going to pass it most likely. Just based. But if it was 400 yards away, you'd really have to make an extra effort to to pass it and i think they would make that effort
1: yeah i'm not sure brady would want to and and here's why i think bruce arians would be unwise to try this remember in hannibal lecter in silence of the lambs (laughs) even though hannibal was behind the glass even though they tied him up anytime into like a straight jacket anytime they went in the room You didn't want to make him mad because you figure one day he's escaping and one day he's getting revenge. Do you really want to poke at Belichick in any case? I mean, Bruce Arians, if he retires the next game, maybe. But I wouldn't myself. I'm R.J. straight (laughs) out of Vegas. Now, here is the question. What's the line? Jonas, it's at, as you know, at New England. What do you think the line is? Bucks minus four. Woo, this guy's gotten sharp. Bucks three and a half. Okay. And you know what? I bet it closes at four. That's where the money's (laughs) going to come in, probably. I got to tell you something. That's a big number. So we're assuming two points now for home field, a little less than usual. Why is that? Because we're not sure about the capacity crowds and we're not sure about. Has the NFL in general lessened home field? Because the year before last year, it was much lower at the home field advantage than usual. So those two factors bring it from three to two. So that means that Tampa on a neutral would be favored by five and a half. Tampa at home would be seven and a half. Is Tampa really... I like New England here. And it's back to the old chess master stuff. If you are going against someone that knows you and you know them... Who has the advantage? Tom Brady knows the Patriots, knows Belichick. Belichick knows Brady. Personally, the greater mind, I think, has the advantage. And Brady has a great mind for football. Belichick has the greatest mind for football. Personally, I think the Belichick has an edge because of them being familiar with each other. Does that resonate with you?
0: Yeah, I I, I do. I think that as well, too. And I also wonder if maybe Cam Newton has a little bit of an edge just based on the fact that he played in the NFC South for such a long time. He's played the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for a long time. I know it's different personnel, Mm -hmm. but I I just, I wonder if there's some, you know, carryover effect from his time there because he he was Mm -hmm. 9 and 5 in his career against uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So he played pretty good against them. Well, and, how and, did you have that stat and didn't
1: even look down at a piece of paper? Uh, pro football reference. Yeah, just, <laughs> no, you know, but I'm just what I'm saying honest. is you just had that ready to go. That was yeah, interesting. I, I,
0: I just thought about it because pro football reference, I, I look at it a lot for just different things, just from Obviously. my own curiosity. Uh, but I, I just... and Look, we've seen it play... And I also think... Josh McDaniels is going to be a guy that's going to know Brady's strength and, and weaknesses. Oh, for so sure. I, wonder, I wonder if that's going to be a really collaborative effort that week to where it's like, all right, what what does Tom do well? What are they going to try and do here? Oh, and the yeah. one, one thing we always hear about Belichick, he identifies who your best player is, and he takes that player away from the game, and he wants you to beat him with other guys. And if he identifies that Brady is the best player on that team, he's going to take Brady out of the game. And, and, and that's where things... become come interesting because then it's possible he could have a bad game and if he has a bad game it's very likely that the patriots could get that win
1: because you know they're going to be fired up for it yeah and i would say and i haven't seen the number but i'm interested in the total have we seen a total mckenzie they have not posted a total no okay so i'm going to like the under because obviously the familiarity is going to help the defense's Right where uh, Brady's going to say, "Hey, this is." And again, here's another example. I think it favors New England. Final point on this game, which is coming up in about six months, is <laughs> get, get ready. <laughs> hey, it's a big game. It is a big. It might be the biggest regular season game we've ever seen. Yeah, it really could be. And then you think about Week One with Dallas opening up at Tampa. I mean, it's a heck of a schedule. NFL does great. It's a TV show. But if you think about it, Tom Brady's offense is very similar in Tampa to what it was in New England. So that means being familiar, the New England guys have an advantage. But what New England's running with Cam Newton is so different. It's not what Brady ran. I think Brady's knowledge of New England isn't as pertinent. So generally, I like New England plus three and a half at home. And that's the opening line. And I like the under. I don't know what it is, but I think I'm gonna be inclined that way based upon the number. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of
0: Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. The 2021 NFL schedule is out. We've been looking at teams with advantages, teams with disadvantages. Now we're going to take a look at three teams here. Those three teams would be the Bills, Dolphins, and Colts, all from the AFC.
1: And these are all about teams that have a difficult start to the season. And then with the Dolphins and the Colts, with a quarterback with big question marks, we we'll start though with the Bills. Everyone's been looking at, you know, arbitrary, I guess arbitrarily, at the first four games. I dug a little deeper. Let's look at the first seven games for the Bills. This might be the hardest start to a season I've ever seen. Pittsburgh, Miami, all right? So uh, obviously a playoff team last year, almost a playoff team last year, and Miami's. Up arrow is the theory. Then Washington. And we know Washington's defense. We love them. We got them to win the NFC East plus 350. Then they got an easy one Houston. But then Kansas City, Tennessee, and then Miami again. So of those seven games, other than the Houston. It's Pittsburgh, Miami, Miami again, Washington, Kansas City, Tennessee. I think the Bills are built to start, you know, if they started 4-3, and it wouldn't be the end of the world. I don't think there's much, uh, there wouldn't be any panic. But man, is that a tough start to the season. What do you think of that?
0: Yeah, I agree. And and that makes me wonder because I do think they're the best team in their division, but it makes me wonder with a start like that, where is their win total at? And is that something that you would look at now and go, Okay, well let's let's consider you know, based on the early start, let's consider jumping on the under because I think they were one of the higher teams in the league.
1: Oh, for sure. For sure on that. But the real question is and We'll pull up the latest win total here as we're talking. The Bills have the fourth highest win total. So it's the Chiefs, the Tampa Bay Bucks, the Ravens, and the Bills. Bills, the market is 10.7 wins. So it's between 10.5 and 11. Remember, 17 games. I would say no, because there's two ways to look at that. How tough is their schedule? And how tough is the start of the schedule? Because really, if the schedule, let's say, is average, I'm not talking about the Bills, I'm talking about anyone, and if the start is tough, that means the finish is going to be easy. It's just simple, right? Yeah. So why would the start matter more? I think with teams that have a lot of question marks, a lot of doubt, a lot of self-doubt. Oh, look, let's go look at the Colts, a team, quite frankly, With a quarterback that was as bad as anyone but Sam Darnold last year, Carson Wentz. And they start off with a really tough six of the first seven games. And Mackenzie, pull up their schedule. My printout has a little smear here. I don't want to make any mistake of the coach. But if you look at their first six or seven, and we'll get the exact games in a second, it's tough. Carson Wentz had his worst season. If Carson Wentz started these seven games with stats similar to last year, I don't know how he stays in. And considering who they're playing, you got that rundown? McKenzie. Yeah,
0: Yeah, so the Colts start off with Seattle at home. Then they got the Rams. They got to travel at Tennessee week three, at Miami, at Baltimore week five. Get a little bit of respite versus Houston week six, then they're at 49ers week seven. Now, Yikes. run that one
1: more time. <laughs> Seattle, Rams, at Tennessee, at Dolphins, at Ravens, Texans, at Niners. I mean, McCann, oh, Jonas, that's a start to a season. I mean, you got the one, whoo, and I'm telling you, Carson Wentz, I mean, it almost is like someone who's drunk carrying like dynamite that's lit. You can kind of see what, but the wind's blowing. That's the vision I have right now.
0: Can you, can you I don't even know if this is possible. And the only reason I'm asking this is because the second half of their schedule, I think, is, is a lot more doable than. Oh, than the no first doubt. Half. But he
1: might, he might be
0: in the insane asylum. Can, can you live wager on their season win total?
1: Like during you know the something season. That would be so simple. Because the theory, what is a season win total? right? They look at every line. So they, they have a projected line on every game. right? Yeah. Now, they might not be taking bets on it, but they have it. And each line converts to a win share. So if the lines pick them, your win share is 50%. If you're favored by three, your win share is going to be more than 50. And there's an exact mathematical formula to create that. You add it up, that's your win total. So they might make a slight adjustment based on some other factor, but it's going to be slight after every game you could recalculate it by adjusting the power rating the team so now the yeah. game, the total or the spreads change the rest of the year let's say you upgrade a team a point after the first game that means there's now there's sixteen other games the next sixteen that they get upgraded a point, and it all moves a point up so over the course of that time. That you know, every time you have a final score and an adjustment to the power rating, you could redo the win total, but no one does it.
0: Yeah, the Niners last year is a perfect example. I, I don't. I don't remember what their win total was going into the season. I want to say eleven or eleven and a half. That seems about right. But it was in that range after week two. You knew they were screwed because of all the injuries they were dealing with. And I just wonder if you could go in and and get action on that when you see all that's unraveling, especially early in the season. Like why nobody would consider offering that? I mean, we offer point flips and Gatorade colors and everything else. I just no. I
1: hear I you. The, and- and, and what we've seen is New Jersey has been super ambitious, DraftKings, uh, FanDuel, et cetera. And I think, in general, they've raised the bar. And now others, hopefully, the books are going to compete with it. But we got to remember one thing about the bookies. And if you ever just take away one thing from this show, it's this is what the bookies are. Cockroaches. Cockroaches. Yeah. You think I'm kidding? I've been here a long time. They are all they're not thinking about tomorrow they're not thinking about they're thinking about can i make money today am i going to eat as many pistachios as i can today lift my not try to do too much work and make as much money as possible
0: See, on the flip side of that remember jacksonville knocked off indianapolis in week one last year I yes. wonder how many people would have looked at that and said, you know, maybe this Jags team is much better than we thought. And well, we thought an so. I think yeah. I bet them the next two weeks. <laughs> and you would have an opportunity to take their season win total and see how it moved and, kind of, and, and adjust on the fly. So I just think it would be interesting.
1: You know, we actually have ambitions. Because if you set up your database right, you can. Because let's say it's someone's out for six weeks, right? So yeah. now the question is, it's week two, they're out for six weeks. That's a projection. How do you adjust the totals, uh, the spreads. And to me, it's pretty simple. You would say, OK, for the next six weeks, this guy's out. He's worth a point and a half. So, the next six, a point and a half adjustment. We've upgraded the team a half a point because of the most recent game. You just enter those two numbers, and then it, it, it will, like, an excel sheet, uh, calculate out, and it will spit out what the win total should be. So, the idea of having an ongoing running win total... And if you actually look at it, things like 538.com, and they use an ELO method, it's called. But in general, that's what they do. They always have a projection at any point in the year about what the uh, finished record is going to be of each team, the likelihood. And you hear it on ESPN. like I think the BPI, they call it, is the Lakers have this chance of making the playing game. They're just projecting what the spreads will be in those games, what the win percentages, et cetera, et cetera. I'm RJ Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. Last team of note here: the Dolphins, and we've heard their names a few times in here. Tua, big question marks. New England, Buffalo, at Las Vegas, which we saw last year was potentially a strong venue. Indianapolis, Tampa. What's the easy game there is going to Las Vegas, right? That's a 500 team. New England's above 500. Buffalo's one of the top four teams in the league. Indianapolis, top seven or eight team. Tampa, top two team. Tua could be in trouble
0: and also that Raiders game if you remember last year that was one of the games in which Tua was pulled from the game at the Raiders and if not for an awful face mask by Arden Key of the Raiders on Ryan Fitzpatrick you know the Raiders probably win that game Miami had no business winning that game Ooh. so I, you just wonder if maybe Tua brings back some memories or he has some ghosts about getting yanked from that game last year like he did on, on National
1: well, He didn't play well but he doesn't see ghosts let's not cast aspersions <laughs> about that speaking of the Sam Darnold bowl oh my gosh colin was talking about how let's be candid how shrewd it was for the nfl to put that in week one because once we see sam darnold's just as bad as we ever thought he was who's going to care in week six (laughs) the nfl is billionaires for a reason speaking of las vegas you know mackenzie i don't know if we pulled this did you see the top ticket prices for the game week one or the games I didn't see the actual yeah, numbers. Yeah take, yeah, take a gander at that, because I saw that for the five, I think... Uh, high, did you see this, Jonas?
0: Yeah, I saw the... Uh, and this is just based on the tickets that I'm showing and the prices that I'm seeing on, uh, on ESPN.com. And yeah. uh, by far and away... The Raiders uh, in Las Vegas Monday night against Baltimore. I'm seeing tickets as low as eight twenty eight eight hundred. So as low as in, as uh, almost as thousand bucks is the,
1: the cheapest way to get in the door.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's not that's not including the new DJ booth they put in the end zone. Uh, the uh, The first game of the year, the the Buccaneers and Cowboys. Um, their next highest. Uh, the tickets are going as low as three hundred and eighty dollars at Raymond so, James. W- so wait a minute, season. you're
1: saying the 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 opener in Las Vegas is almost triple as much yes. as the Cowboys in Tampa yep. Bay. Yep. Uh, let's just say that it's <laughs> going to be good to be R.J. Bow here this fall.
0: Now, do you think that do you think do you think with that much money that they're getting from the tickets that they're going to lower the betting limits at the blackjack tables to accommodate everybody or just try? Wait,
1: wait, wait a minute, I think I think you got something mixed up here. <laughs> People that are rich enough to pay a thousand a ticket, you don't lower anything for that, Jonas. You, I mean, you're a visitor of Vegas, you got to understand that. <laughs> what struck me about week one, and it just did last night. Any rookie quarterback, obviously, will be facing an NFL road crowd for the first time. But the second-year quarterbacks will be facing a road crowd effectively for the first time. So it's going to be interesting when Tua, when Herbert, when these second-year guys make their first road start, maybe week one, week two, whatever, I got a feeling that's going to be some extra nerves and maybe taking some time to get used to. Maybe look to bet against those teams in the first quarter of those games, Jonas. What do you think of that?
0: Yeah, no, that, that's a good point. And that, that was one of the things that we heard last year was because you, there was no noise, you could pipe in noise all you wanted, but because there was no m- noise by and large, you could communicate so much easier. And then players on defense were were saying that they could hear cl- calls as clean as as clear as day, just being on the field, getting ready. And some of those guys kind of knew what was going based on other things that they knew about the offense or whatever schemes they were trying to run. And now all of that is gone. So, I just wonder who's going, to, who's going to make the adjustment first. Probably Belichick, as he always does. But, yeah, i will be curious to see these second-year quarterbacks and how they adapt to actual crowds being there.
1: So, I'm going to give you, in a moment, the biggest moves. But one other curiosity here, and I think this is fascinating. So, the Ravens play all of their divisional road games. So, if you think about it, there's three divisional road games every year for each team. They play every one of those in December. In oh, fact, wow. they only play one division game at all in the first 11 weeks of the season. Wow. I mean, that's amazing. So 11 weeks in, they're going to have had one division game. And then five after that, with all of the road games happening in December, that's a backloaded schedule. Um, Usually the Ravens start fast. Remember, they opened up and crushed the Browns last year because they put a few wrinkles in that run game with Lamar. And early, they really benefit from that. I think this hurts them. And then if you look and see the schedule when they play the Browns twice in a couple of weeks late in the year, the Browns, that second time, have a bye. While the Ravens, the week before, play the Steelers. So think about that. Could decide the division. Now the Browns had one game already to get used to Lamar again. Now they get a bye. Then the Ravens got to play Pittsburgh when the Browns are on a bye. I think the Ravens, schedule-wise, it's sneaky secret, if you like the Ravens, I think the schedule did you no favors.
0: Yeah, and and it makes me think that if if, if you were going to bet, if they get off to a hot start, and they're leading the division, you're probably going to get favorable odds on somebody else to win the division, because people aren't looking that far ahead of time, realizing all the division games are late, all the tiebreakers are going to be determined late, so you could probably get pretty good value on a team behind Baltimore if they're leading the division, just Looking ahead to the schedule
1: and seeing those matchups. I like the way, I mean, Jonas has become a value hunter. Let's just say that. <laughs> I love it. All right, here's what we're going to do I'm going to read you the five teams that there's been the biggest betting on since the schedule release. Out of Vegas! Vegas!
0: Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Hey, this is Jason McIntyre. Join me every weekday morning on my podcast, Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre. This isn't your typical sports pod pushing the same tired
1: narratives down your throat every day.
0: Straight Fire gives you honest opinions on all the biggest sports headlines, accurate stats to help you win big at the sports book, and all the best guests. Do yourself a favor and listen to Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: We've been talking about this for years, Jonas, is that when people mess around with gambling, injury reports especially we talked about there's going to there's so much money being bet there's going to be legal action think about that you cheat now the better say hey you cheated us it's insider trading i think this is the beginning of that you're going to see a lot of people thinking and especially when the leagues start to take money as they are now if you're benefiting from it financially you got a responsibility to put on a fair competition even beyond what the fans would expect kind of a I think it's the beginning of something we're going to see a lot of.
0: Yeah, especially with more people involved. It means more people are going to be pissed off or feel like they got wronged if they lose a bet. And we talked about it with the Todd Gurley stuff at the Super Bowl in Atlanta. It just didn't make sense. There was no updates on the injury. And you have seen other teams that have had to be talked to by the NFL about their injury designations. Uh, Player, you know, fully participated in a practice. And then two days later, he's downgraded to out. You know, how does that happen? And all of that is because of gambling.
1: One other thing in the news, quickly. So, the Pac-12 hires the MGM executive to be their new commissioner. And to me, this is a great example of one. Imagine the NCAA, Pac-12, part of that, saying the new commissioner is that guy from the MGM. I mean, (laughs) one, it shows you the taboo of gambling is gone, sports gambling. And number two, it shows you when a league or any organization goes extreme one way, like the Pac-12 and the emphasis, and John Middlecoff was talking about this, having women's softball on the Pac-12 network or volleyball. Hey, that's great. Title IX makes a lot of sense. But if you have a network, you're going to put on things people want to watch. right? That's why TV is there. They didn't seem to be doing that. And now, if you want to think about how the Pac-12 is responding, it is the most dollars and cents, the most clear-eyed. It's Vegas. Vegas is the most clear-eyed, the most focused on the bottom line, and that's where the commissioner comes from. I think it shows you the reversal when you get extremes. What do you think, Jonas?
0: Yeah, and there's also, the Pac-12's gotten such a bad rap. Rightfully so, I think. Yeah, yeah, and they've been really bad, and just their whole structure has been bad. And I just wonder if this is a little bit of a, you know, hey, we're kind of cool. Like, uh, you know, we bring in a guy who's the MGM guy. And I also, I think this is pretty much a done deal that any Pac-12 tournament or whatever going forward is going to be at MGM,
1: right? Well, I like that. I like that. I think it's really a sign of the Pac-12 saying, I don't want to be broke. We don't want to be broke. (laughs) All right, when we come back, we will read those major total moves, the over-unders for the teams that were most affected and we've got that UFC bet that we had yesterday does AJ agree with it and there's those games this weekend that seem like they matter in the NBA but they don't can we bet against them
0: that's coming up next but first straight out of Vegas is brought to